Welcome to What's New in Adaptive Physical Education. This is your host, Scott McNamara, and I am bringing you the 2023-2024 sessions of the NICPED AP Collaborative, starting with the August version. Um, I was going to give a quick introduction to just say this is going to be the first one here. It's going to be on Sport Camps for Youth with Disabilities, and it features uh, Melissa Bittner, who's going to run it and moderate it, and then they highlight three different sport camps for kids with disabilities. I also want to acknowledge we cut out Dr. Laura Lieberman's piece because it, it was uh, revolved around showing a video. Her area is called Campabilities. It is discussed in the podcast and other things at other times, as well as I will put links to Campabilities in the blog post, uh, the accompanying blog post. So with that, enjoy. Welcome back all from summer break. Uh, I think a lot of us uh, in higher ed are probably in the first few weeks of classes. And I know uh, school-wise, a lot of school districts have started up or will start up here pretty soon um, in and around Labor Day. So thanks all for joining us. I am going to share my screen. Welcome you all officially to our first uh, collaborative of the 2023-2024 school year. And um, I'm Melissa Bittner. I am the chair of the NICPED membership subcommittee. And our schedule today, we are slated for about an hour. And the topic is summer camps for youth with disabilities. Uh, we've thought that this was really a perfect timing, just coming off of the summer camp scene for some of us. So a great way to share about some of the different summer camps for youth with disabilities. We're gonna highlight three camps, um, camp abilities. We've got Dr. Lauren Lieberman, uh, we have directors myself and Dr. Amanda Young, and we have Camp Weber, and we have Allie Keene, who's directing that. After this, kind of equally important, we have a student panel. So the student panel worked at one of these, so one representative from each of the summer camps, and they're going to share their perspective um, as a student and what they learned by working these summer camps. Then finally, we'll wrap it up with a little bit of audience Q&A. As always, uh, this will be live on Facebook through the NICPED Facebook page. It will also be posted on the NICPED YouTube page. And in addition, it will be um, an upcoming episode of the What's New in APE podcast. And we're now going to chat about Camp Nuggets on the campus of California State University, Long Beach. I'm joined with my colleague, Dr. Amanda Young, and also a big welcome. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Barry LeVay. Barry was at uh, CSULB for 33 years and of course um, made Camp Nuggets uh, all, you know, the, set the foundation for Camp Nugget and all that it is today. So Camp Nugget is a four-week summer camp program experience for individuals, children with disabilities. It goes from 9 a.m. until noon every day, Monday through Friday for four weeks. Um, we have various disabilities 
So autism, Down syndrome, orthopedic impairment, visual impairment, et cetera. Um, plus, we also have some typically developing peers who work as camp buddy, uh, as a, a peer buddy. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, we piloted this program this summer. So most of our staff are university students who are training to be adapted physical education teachers, but we also employ uh, allied professionals such as physical therapists or speech language pathologists. It's a great way to start some of that collaboration like we would do out in the field. One big thing about Camp Nugget that sets us apart maybe from other programs for individuals with disabilities is that you know, we're providing instruction. This is like adapted PE. We're providing instruction in aquatics, fundamental motor skills, fitness, lead up games and sports, uh, cooperative games, relaxation, social skills, behavior. You know, as Barry jokingly says, like we are not a babysitting camp. Like we are here to provide instruction. Uh, our schedule is uh, we kind of meet up in the morning at nine and we have a little um, first 10 minutes or so. We have the students tap in and we've got some visuals of that in upcoming slides with how are you feeling? Again, kind of that social emotional piece. Then we do a warm up, then we go into team time. So we have this summer, we had eight different teams. Each team had approximately 10 to 12 uh, campers, we, oh, yeah, spoiler alert, we had over a hundred individuals with disabilities plus peer buddies at Camp Nugget this summer. So amazing experience. Uh, after team time, so the, for example, team time group number one would be together. And there are youngest uh, campers who are around five years of age. So they might be working on locomotor skills. Um, you know, maybe they're working on jumping, but maybe then group eight, our oldest students, would be working on the um, traversing rock wall. Okay, so something a little more age appropriate for the older group. So team time would be their groups one through eight. After that, we did stations um, and we had a station focus of the week. So week one was cooperative games, week two, locomotor skills, week three, fitness, and week four, ball skills. Then we did a snack time. Um, after that, each group has an aquatics lesson, so a 45 minutes aquatics lesson, and I know Amanda will go into that a little more detail later. And then we tap out with a behavioral reflection. The pictures on the right of your screen are a visual schedule with, you know, kind of a social story, what we're doing at camp each day. We have it in both English and Spanish. We do have a, a lot of Spanish speakers in Southern California. We, this summer we had 37 paid staff members plus volunteers plus junior counselors. Yeah, I see Lauren's jaw dropping. Yes, it is a lot of organization. We have a three to one staff to child ratio. We write a lot of grants. Um, these paid staff are paid. Um, you know, it's not a well, it's not a class and that the 37 paid staff members get paid. We write a lot of grants to offset that plus um, cost of the four week to attend the four week camp. Um, we're three to one staff to child ratio in a, during aquatics. We're closer to a one to one because we do have an intro to APE class that comes in and helps with the aquatics lab. So we're closer to a one to one ratio when we swim. 
Okay, found it. Uh, so another uh, staff or part of our camp is we have our OSEP scholars. So uh, Project CAPE scholars help to lead the different groups. So we have two Project CAPE scholars in charge of the older group and the younger group. And then Dana, who's gonna speak a little bit later, was in charge of the peer buddy group this year. So really fun to have our OSEP scholars working with us um, for that hands-on experience and in that leadership position. Yeah, and uh, the leaders that, yeah, the trifold board there, that's they follow along and you can see the rules and expectations. Uh, this was a jungle theme, safari, well, safari theme this year. And so um, each group had a safari theme. So the expectations here were roar, ready to work, on task, always try your best and respect others and equipment. So they had rules and expectations. They tap in and tap out where you can see the cute little lion from, I don't know, I forgot which one of the Disney movies that is. But anyway, uh, and then the schedule that they follow along. Uh, so yeah, our, our group leaders would put the, the task, the trifold board together. And then um, highlighting our aquatics instruction. This is a really cool thing our students get in the, or students campers get in the pool every day, which is wonderful. And again, we have that quality instruction. All of our group leaders completed the Aqu adapted aquatics training certificate with Dr. Monica Lapore. another shout out, gotta love her. Uh, and then for aquatics, we break our camp into the younger group and the older group who swim together. For the older group, we have about a two to one swim ratio. And then for our younger group, we have a one to one swim ratio where we pair up with our summer class of intro to adapted PE. So those students come to camp for practicum and help out with the aquatic portion. Uh, for aquatics, we break it down into a 15 minute group lesson, which is taught by the lead teacher. We have 15 minutes of goal time based on the assessment that our um, counselors do. Then we've got a five minute fitness. So everyone's moving and grooving in the pool, getting that heart rate up. And then they have 10 minutes of free time. So really fun. Uh, a lot of the students say that aquatics is their favorite part of camp. Then we have a junior counselor program. So we also um, employ young adults, 13 to 21 years old. Uh, they come to camp and they get to serve as a junior counselor. So they are kind of learning these leadership skills from their lead counselors. And then they get to help each group with the campers. They help with equipment setup. They help with behaviors, following schedules. So it's a really great opportunity for local um, transition students to come and work at camp with us. Then we have our Peer Buddies program. And Dana, I'm gonna steal the show from you for a second, but our Peer Buddies, we piloted this program to kind of see how can we really uh, help our students or campers without disabilities serve as Peer Buddies for our campers. So every day they would get a 20 minute training done by Dana uh, and they would go to camp with everyone else and assist with their peers. Dana collected some really nice data with this as part of her capstone project. And she did a peer buddy survey pre and post. She did a friendship skills survey, a teamwork survey, and a parent survey to find out what the campers thought of the peer buddies program, what their parents thought, um, and what our campers both with and without disabilities thought of the program. Some really cute little um, Quotes, a camper with a disability said that the peer buddies taught me how to not be scared in the water and they teach me new swimming skills. So that was really nice. And a peer buddy said that they gained confidence in being a leader during activities and stepping up uh, when 
we needed or when they needed help on redirection and repeating instruction. So Dana will be putting together all of this data and sharing this at our national APE conference coming up. So shout out to Dana, shout out to Heidi, yay, uh, excited for that. Coming to a journal near you. <laughs> Uh, each summer, we do try to collect some research through Camp Nugget. Previous summer, we did a snack time uh, in, um, in collaboration with our research and dietetics department. We provided healthy snacks, uh, a activity like coloring or drawing activity. The parent families got a weekly handout, and we did a parent workshop at the end. So that was an example of previous research we've done through Camp Nugget. Uh, this summer as well, we strengthened our collaboration with our speech language pathology department. The, they had volunteers who came in and aided with um, AAC communication, whoops, communication devices. And we were able to collaborate with our speech language pathology colleagues. You can see pictures here of their, um, their visuals and how they assisted during Camp Nugget. Uh, in addition, on Fridays, we went to the Japanese Garden, the Earl Burns Miller Japanese Garden here on the CSULB campus. Each Friday, kind of our special Friday, uh, we did yoga in the garden, uh, koi fish coloring. They did a sensory tour where they would, you know, like hop or leap and would be able to feed the koi fish. And then on our last day of camp, we have an awards ceremony. Um, so we get to celebrate all of our campers' accomplishments. We do, of course, thank yous to all the families, all of our donors. Um, we present certificates, and you'll see that on the next slide. And then we end with a little potluck party. And here's an example of the two certificates that all of our campers get. So they get a fitness certificate and then an aquatic certificate. And our camp staff collect that pre and post fitness data using the Brockport and then an aquatics checklist to kind of track their progress and help show the families what their kiddos can do. So here's our information and we'll go ahead and put this in the chat. Um, but if you'd like more information about Camp Nugget, we can pop that there and then also follow us on social media at Long Beach State AP. Next up, I would like to introduce the camp director for Camp Weber, Allie Keen. Hello, um, like Dr. Bittner just said, my name is Allie Keen. I'm the director for Camp Weber. I wanna thank you all for having me today. I really appreciate it. Um, so um, we go back to the first slide really quick for me. Sure. There we go. All right, so Camp Weber, there we go. Camp Weber is an adaptive sports camp for kids with visual impairments. Um, on the screen here um, is our group picture of everyone that attended camp this year, all of our campers, staff, and volunteers, um, as well as uh, our partners that are, were able to make this camp possible. Um, we have the Weber Foundation, the Center for Movement, Health, and Disability, Old Dominion University, and Challenge Alaska. Um, so like Dr. Bittner said, I am Allie Keen. I can be reached at M. K-E-E-N-002 at odu.edu if anyone has any questions. Um, and on the screen is a picture of me and one of our campers on a paddleboard um, on the lake at Camp Birchwood, which I'll tell you more about in a few minutes. So who is Camp Weber for? Um, for our campers, they can start coming to camp when they are eight years old. 
Um, and then they can attend camp until the summer before they graduate from high school. Um, so for those uh, individuals who might attend high school until they're 21 or so, they can still keep coming to camp um, until they do graduate. Uh, we have a counselor and training program uh, that is for individuals uh, 16 years old or for our campers who would like to be counselors in training if they're not quite ready to be a counselor in training at 16. Um, they can become a counselor in training once they graduate from high school. And that program is for two years. And then for our counselors, they are volunteers. Um, so to be a counselor, you have to be 18 years old. And I'll explain a little bit more about the counselor role in a few minutes. On the screen, we have a picture of um, one of our counselors and one of our campers. Um, so our counselors this past year actually came from all over. One of the individual on the right of the screen, um, he actually came all the way from Chile, which is in South America. Um, we had counselors from Virginia, Pennsylvania, California, um, kind of all over. Um, so with our camp, uh, we do aim to provide experiences for future adapted physical educators, rec therapists, even um, physical therapists. Um, we had uh, one physical therapist who's currently in school uh, join us this summer. Um, so anyone that might be interested in working with individuals with visual impairments or individuals with disabilities. Um, so if you know of any uh, students or individuals who might be interested in volunteering, uh, we would love to have them. Um, so what is Camp Weber? It's an overnight sports camp um, for kids with visual impairments. Um, we do lots of different sports, which I'm going to explain. Um, for everyone that comes to camp, staff, volunteers, campers, and kids, Room and board is provided. We stay in cabins at the campground. Um, food is provided. The campground cooks all of our meals for us, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, they were awesome, delicious, provided any sort of dietary accommodations that were needed uh, for individuals. Um, but one night in particular, we did get to cook our own hot dogs over a campfire. Um, that picture is on the left side of your screen. Um, and that was a lot of fun for everyone involved. And on the right side of the screen is a group of campers and counselors sitting around one of the tables eating, I believe that would have been dinner. Um, so some of our sports and activities that we do at Camp Weber, um, we do water sports. Um, so on the left side of the screen, we have two of our campers and one of our counselors in a canoe, they are paddling. Um, so we do paddle sports on the right side of the screen is one of our campers paddle boarding. Um, so both of those are options. And then because we do have our own private lake at Camp Birchwood, we are very fortunate. Um, we do have time where the kids can just kind of play and enjoy and relax in the water. Um, for some of our kids, that was a great time and they really enjoyed it. For others, um, it is Alaska and it can be a little bit chilly. Um, so all of the kids were given the option whether or not they wanted to swim or participate in another activity. Um, so in the middle of this screen, there is a young girl in a rainbow float. Um, she's smiling. Um, and all the kids that did, did swim, even though it was a little cold at first, um, seemed to really enjoy that. Uh, we also do ball sports. Um, so like Dr. Lieberman previously explained, um, some of them within her video. Um, on the left side of the screen, we uh, did beat baseball. So we have um, one of our athletes there. And one of our counselors, um, he's about to uh, prepare to hit a beeping baseball. In the middle of the screen, we do five-a-side soccer. Um, we have a camper there um, preparing to hit one, uh, or kick, excuse me, a soccer ball. And on the right side of the screen, we have an individual, um, one of our campers saving a goal ball. Um, so those are three of our ball sports that we do at camp. And then some other activities, uh, 
a little bit more specific um, to where we are in Alaska. Um, on the left side of the screen, there's two individuals. <clears throat> they, it's a leg wrestling activity in particular, but this was part of our Native Youth Olympics, which is specific to Alaska. Um, in the middle, um, we have a nice trail that goes all the way around the, the lake that we have on site. Um, so we have a camper who is hiking using her white cane. And on the right side of this screen, um, we have a camper um, who is doing archery and his counselor is helping instruct him to make sure he has good form. Um, he is attempting to shoot that bow at the target in front of him. Um, so when we have our dates for next summer, um, so if you or anyone you know is interested, um, July 13th through the 20th, 2024, um, we're super excited to already have these nailed down. Uh, volunteers will need to arrive Saturday, July 13th. Our campers, um, so we do training on Saturday and Sunday. Our campers arrive on Monday. And then everyone is there for camp until Saturday, July 20th. And on the screen is a picture of the dock with rowboats and canoes. Um, so this is at Camp Birchwood, which is in Chugiak, Alaska. The closest airport is Anchorage. Um, so it's pretty convenient. We do provide transportation for any counselors or staff that come in from Anchorage up to Chugiak. It's about a 20 or 30 minute drive. Um, and then on the screen is a picture of a campfire with a lake in the background. Um, Alaska's absolutely beautiful mountain scenery, um, just awesome, awesome place to be able to have camp. Um, so for volunteers, for our counselors, they remain on site the entire time um, and with their campers. Um, so they do share that sleeping space and um, we have cabins, everyone has their own bed. There's bunk beds, um, everyone um, is divided into um, gendered cabins and they are everyone stays on campus on the campgrounds for the entire week um so for our counselors as of right now it is an unpaid position um, and counselors are expected to arrange their transportation to and from anchorage um, we are looking at opportunities to be able to subsidize travel um, in the future um so if that does become come available um, we will make sure to pass that word along um, but we've had numerous counselors um, come up who have been able to fundraise uh, most of their travel but once counselors get there everything's paid for food accommodations etc um so if you would like more information i will put these links in the chat um, our website is uh, sites.google.com backslash odu.edu backslash Camp Weber backslash home. Um, so that has all of our Camp Weber information for campers, for volunteers, um, all of that sort of thing. Um, I can also be contacted if, if you um, have any questions that are not answered on that site. And then our social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are CMHD, Center for Movement, Health, and Disability at ODU. And then on the right side of the screen is a group of all of our counselors, staff, and volunteers, hands in the air after a final farewell cheer. Um, so I just wanna thank you all for listening. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions. And on the screen is a group of all of our campers, volunteers, and staff in their bright neon yellow Camp Weber t-shirts. Thank you so much, Allie. Much appreciated for sharing more. At this time, we have a student panel. So we have a representative from Camp Abilities, Camp Weber, and Camp Nugget. Uh, we have from Camp Nugget, Dana Briosos. 
from Camp Abilities, Matt Brack, and from Camp Weber, Madison. Thank you. I'm trying to find her, but maybe she's on my second page. I have a second page. Oh, there she is. I'm so sorry. Madison Belby. There we go. Um, we have a, a few questions to ask. And the first to the three of you, you know, what did you learn? What did you experience from working at these summer camps? And you may fight it out in any order that you want to go in. I can start. Um, my name is Dana, and like Dr. Bittner and Young said, I was at Camp Nugget this uh, summer working with the Peer Buddies. And what I learned um, is kind of like teaching tips is be open to ideas. Um, it's camp. Students are here to also not only learn, but the only thing missing is there's no desks or uh, whiteboard to look at or board to look at. So they're excited to be here. They want to learn a lot of stuff. And so they're going to ask a lot of questions. What are we doing today? What are we doing tomorrow? Are we doing so-and-so activities? And as um, a counselor and an educator, be open to those, right? They, they want to learn something new. And with camp being a little bit more flexible, you know, still having a curriculum, but flexible, be open to changing things up a little bit so that they learn something that they want to learn. Great, thanks for sharing, Dana. Matt or Madison? Um, so at Camp Abilities, um, some tips that I've learned were to try and make it as fun as possible for them because this isn't an experience that they normally get, especially um, in low income areas. So um, we try and make it as fun for them uh, while as being as safe for them as possible. Um, we do that in a range of a couple of different sports. So you learn how to basically coach or teach those disability sports so that you can incorporate them into your classroom or into another camp or anything like that. Um, and then another tip that I've learned was patience. You gotta have a lot of patience um, with, um, cause I'm like a short fused person. So if I like get angry, I get angry. Or if I like, I get upset, I get upset. So like learning that patience has been really like ideal for me. And it's very, uh, helped, it's helped me a lot in the long run. Um, for me at Camp Weber for the past three summers, I learned to listen to the kids. A lot of them know what works best for them. Um, especially when it comes to archery, some of them really wanted balloons and others really wanted neon tape on there. So like listening to what they know, cause they know themselves best. And also just being, knowing the balance between friend and counselor. Um, I watched a lot of the kids get out of their shell and like they really became themselves cause they've never been to a summer camp before. And it was really a great experience for them. But then also having the line of like, not rule, like rules, you know, to keep everyone safe. Cause it was Alaska and it's kind of but there's wild animals out there um but just knowing the difference um between when to step in and when not like watching the kids form the friendships that they've probably not had the chance to form before was really cool next to the three of you what did you learn from this camp experience about teaching about assessment about behavior management especially you know a about doing this at camp versus maybe learning this stuff in a classroom at the university setting. 
So a um, couple of things that I've learned about assessment and behavioral management is, so I've been to two different capabilities, the one in Brockport where I work under Dr. Lauren Lieberman. And then I've also been to Campability Saratoga. And I can kind of work or tell from my experience from behavioral management. So my athlete would always um, like try and do some things um, if he didn't like an answer that he was given, he would just shut down and go into a shell. So then we would just try and be like, it's all right. Like, let's think of another way that we can get through this. Let's problem solve together. So that was really a big um, behavioral management deal that I've learned. Another one has been about like ADHD, trying to keep them active, engaged, and just finding out how you can help their ADHD. Um, like one, my athlete, um, I would do this on him because he didn't have that sensory impulse that he had. So if he was fidgeting in his seat, I would do that. And then he would sit still and like pay attention if we were talking um, at meals or anything. But um, some things I've learned about assessment is we do a present level of performances. So we basically write down exactly what the, the athlete can do so they can share it to their PE teacher to relay what they can do in class and how they can advocate for it because the PE teacher doesn't know what the student can do unless they are told or shown. So this is definitely a way that we can help them get into FIASAD and be a part of the class. Love that advocacy piece. I know that's a big aspect of capabilities. Yeah, I can go. Um, so for assessment part, I learned this with our post-assessment during Camp Nugget. It's uh, add music. <laughs> music is a very enjoyable part of our lives, right? Um, and assessments can become very stressful or nerve-wracking for a lot of our students. So during our post-assessment, I actually learned, I found on YouTube that somebody had overlapped um, the latest hits of pop music to a pacer test. Not only did that motivate our students to join along and do the pacer, um, it eased out a lot of the stress. And then you add a little bit of tempo in there and they could run with the music. And that goes for all other parts of the assessment too. Music is very enjoyable. Now, as for um, behavior management, I actually learned a huge lesson on this part, especially with working with peer buddies. Um, so as educators, it takes what time and experience to really get good at this. And that's the same thing with our students, right? With my peer buddies and having a buddy next to them, a lot of them were nervous about um, managing behaviors. And as educators, we can give those tools and resources and words that they can use to kind of how to talk to each other and how to redirect, right? And they'll put that into practice, right? They'll try it. And then if it works, if it works, and if it doesn't, that's kind of like where the learning curve starts to occur. That's kind of where empathy comes in, right? Where that, where that plays into a role. And you as an educator, you kind of have to step in and kind of find the fine line and figure out not only your student, but also who they are talking to in terms of redirection, right? And so with behavior man management, it, it takes time. There are skills that you can teach students, but you have to teach them empathy as well. Okay, why is my buddy maybe not listening to me? Different communication styles, just different ways to approach people. And so that's the biggest thing I learned with behavior management. Great, as Barry LeVay likes to say, you can't direct before you connect. Right, Barry? A Barryism? <laughs> and <laughs> Garth likes it. <laughs>
Um, we didn't exactly do assessment at the camp, but we were given a sheet of paper like about the kids and what they enjoy and other things. And from what I learned from that is like you can read everything on paper, but you won't actually know the kid until you're with them. Um, so assessments good on paper and in person, like you can use together is probably the best way to go about it. And behavior management, um, it was more of like getting to know the kids. We had two kids that were very different from each other and one wanted to know why one was being so loud and the other one just like didn't really have that grasp of um, socialization. So I stepped in and like explained the differences and stuff and they, it really helped them understand the other kids they were around because um, they, like I said, they haven't really been in that environment before. So getting them to like understand the different behaviors that other people are experiencing. Great, thank you. Um, due to time, we're gonna cut to one last question. I, and that is advice for future professionals about working at a summer camp and why should others come work a summer camp for youth with disabilities? Uh, so I think very straightforward here. If you're thinking about working at a summer camp, do it. Sign up, take on those leadership roles and get out of your comfort zone and learn something new especially as myself being working at a camp for the first time. I was nervous, um, but after this summer, I've learned so much about myself and my teaching, but not only that, I learned about students, right? I know some of, um, I think it was Matt mentioned, this is a different environment for them. This is a fun place for them. So you will see a different personality come out of your students. And then you can use what you learn at summer camp into your own teaching. How can you make your teaching environment better? It's not the same as summer camp, but better right? So do it. Sign up if you're thinking about uh, summer camps and take on leadership roles. Um, some advice that I would give to uh, future professionals would definitely be to ask for help because that was the hardest thing that I had to learn this summer was you have a great group of people behind you and it doesn't look bad for you to ask for help. I kind of learned that this summer. Um, about working at a summer camp for kids with the, eh, with youth and kids with disabilities. I think everybody should do it, especially if you're going to be a future professional within uh, adapted PE, because it gives you more tools to put in your teaching bag or your teaching tool bag, as well as it gives you more experience. So you you can just have more experience with more students because no student is the same. So you you can use different tips and tricks, but not everything's gonna work, like Dana said before. Right, Matt, one thing I know that we try to pitch to our students is, all right, you do the summer camp experience. Now, when you go on an interview, you know, instead of being really general with your answers, you can draw back on that summer camp experience and tell all kinds of specific stories and examples of how you had to manage behaviors or how you now did, you know, hands-on assessment because you have some of that hands-on experience under your belt. Uh, and that's gonna make a big difference. You're gonna be a lot more memorable in an interview um, versus not having some of these experiences. And Madison, how about you? Um, always sign up to be a summer camp counselor. It's so much fun. Um, every year I've learned something new and 
don't be afraid to go out and be yourself and everything. I think Matt said it, everything's a learning curve. Like one year, everything could go perfectly fine. The next year, like you have to go reach into the back of your mind to try to figure out what you've learned in school, what you've learned from experiences and everything to try to make it the best camp ever for these kids. Cause that's the end goal. All right. And now at this time, I would like to open up for the audience any questions that they might have. Oh, right out of the gate. Garth Tymeson. Can't wait to ask his question. Thank you. Wow. What fantastic programs. They are fantastic. And the kids are so lucky to have the programs and the counselors that are here. One quick question for all of the directors. Um, as part of the camp experience, do you do purposeful and regular parent education about what they should be asking for in the schools in relation to required physical education and extracurricular athletics? Um, hi, this is Maria. I'm the Camp Abilities Director for Camp Abilities in South Jersey, um, Tucson, Arizona, Newark, Delaware, and Westchester, Pennsylvania. Um, and one of the things that we do, at least at the Tucson, Delaware, and New Jersey camps is that at the end of the week, our assessment is a letter to parents. Um, at In Delaware, we have a really young uh, coaching staff. We have a lot of coaching staff who are still in high school and who are learning how to be teachers. We pulled a lot from the teacher academies in Delaware this year. Um, so we couldn't do the full assessment that I know that camps like Brockport do on their athletes. But what we do is a parent letter. So the coaches write a letter that includes a present level of performance statement for every sport that we do that state the athletes present level of performance in that sport, including what equipment that they use. Um, and then that is really helpful for the parents to be able to then advocate for what equipment that their schools should be purchasing. Um, the parents and athletes also know that our email address is open at all times for them to uh, ask us questions. And we have worked with a couple of the athletes that come to camp schools directly throughout the year to advocate for them and help educate the parents. Um, and we also have a really good connection with the teachers at the state agency for the blind. So if the parents give permission or request it, we also send those parent letters to the students, teachers of the visually impaired and O&M instructors so that they can be used in IEP meetings to advocate for the equipment and services that the kids need in schools. Lauren? This is Lauren. Yeah, to piggyback what Maria is saying, you know, and I love the idea of sending the assessments home and what, what equipment the child benefits from, but I always find that the one variable that's constant is the child. And so that's why we started doing the self-advocacy because we're like training the teachers, we're like training the parents, but no matter where the child goes, they're the one variable that has the needs. And so, yes, the parents should know what the child needs and they should be able to advocate for them. But we also try to start with the child because maybe they don't need the parents to advocate for them if they can advocate for themselves because they're going to be the ones that are going in the community and going into their transition lives and, and they, they're going to have to know what they, what their needs are and not just variations where to get the equipment what rule what, what where to find the rule modifications and then also what instructional strategies they prefer i don't like it when you touch me i would rather feel how you're doing it we'll do tactile modeling and so we try to teach those kind of things and and practice asking for what they need and so between 
the parents and the kids, hopefully they can get what they want. I mean, unfortunately, we are running into issues with kids not even being in included in physical education still, even in New York State. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're making some progress. But like you said, Melissa, a lot of the resources are on our Campabilities website under instructional materials. I want to share that even for kids with visual impairment and additional disabilities. We have a lot of now videos and tip sheets for kids with not just plain visual impairment, but like multiple disabilities too. But we want people to use that because that's part of the solution is knowing where to find the, the training materials. So I, one thing, Amanda and I are here in the chat and we're like, we have a parent meeting at camp, um, at camp nugget, but we, I totally agree, Garth, we should probably add a slide next year on like how to advocate for AP services, because no, we don't talk to our parents, um, en enough, you know, about that. So great points. We, we will add that to the parent orientation meeting next year. <laughs> Thank you for that excellent idea. One other thing too is on our website, we have a self-advocacy video and we also have a self-advocacy manual. That manual is geared towards kids with visual impairments, but we just created a, we just validated a self-advocacy questionnaire. A pre, we use it for pre and post. And so if anybody wants to use that, as soon as it gets published, we'll, I'll share that with you. We, we've already submitted that, but it's not just that questionnaire is not just for kids with visual impairments. And some of you might've seen the book that we wrote with, with uh, Jones and Bartlett. It's just called Self-Advocacy Through Health and Physical Education. And that's published through, through Jones and Bartlett. So we're doing a lot of work with that because I feel like that's the foundation. No matter, even kids without disabilities have to know how to self-advocate. And then just one other thing too, while we're on it, my advice too is as a faculty, as a new faculty person, when you run a camp, that can be your teaching, your service, and your research, and we get grants. And so you guys are doing an amazing job. You're getting grants, you're doing teaching research. So you can literally do everything that we're required to do as a professor in one passion project. And I, I just think that it's just a great way to get everything that you want and be known for something that's helping the community. Lauren, I can't emphasize that enough. That's one way that Barry really helped us with our RTP process is that every summer we collect data for Camp Nugget. You're right. It's our service um, teaching and that it's a great opportunity for our students. We combine one of our intro classes to it for the lab portion. Um, yeah, absolutely. You're right. You're checking off all three of those boxes by doing the summer camp. So new faculty out there, seriously consider doing a summer camp. Yes, I know it takes part of your, oh, hi, Brooks. <laughs> it takes some of your time over the summer, but it is immensely helpful for our students to get these experiences uh, and, and great for us too, with regards to, you know, building our Vita and working towards that RTP. Barry, you have a question? Just real quick uh, for Garth, um, one of the things that we do do, like as far as advocacy, like in our after school program, we do spend quite a bit of time with with the parents and talking to them, have meetings. Uh, one of the things I learned in uh, when I was working on my PhD special ed, like um, <clears throat> special ed section was the professor I had. So just put some parents in a room, let them ask questions and and 
let them um, interact and then you, you know, guide them along and whatever and what, what directions they want to go. So we've always tried to do that in our after school uh, program. And, and I can't reinforce enough um, the points that Lauren and Melissa and, and Amanda are making about this uh, combination of, you know, teaching scholarship um, service and giving back to community. I think any professional preparation program should be doing these things. I always wanted our university students to have on their Vita as many experiences as possible. Um, and, and, you know, so that's why we really hustled foundation grants and trying to get money so that we could pay them so that they would do this. Um, and so they can have that on their, on their resume rather than that they're, you know, waiter, waitress type of thing, you know. So uh, that, that's the, those are really important outcomes of um, these summer programs. And, and, and if you're a professional preparation program, I think you try to, uh, I always felt like we should try to um, run these programs as much as possible to get them ready for, for teaching, you know, and to be out in the public schools. It's, it's not ideal and having more, the more children they have, it's more realistic to what's going to happen to them when they get in the public schools. Yeah, if they can handle summer camp, they can handle teaching APE. Amanda also brings up a great point. Uh, parents open invitation for Camp Nugget to come join. And we do get a handful of parents that come and join and be a you know, one-on-one aide, et cetera. Oh, something also from this summer we did, we had a lawyer from the area who talked about special needs trust and conservatorships, which is a very important, you know, what happens when parents pass away to their child with a disability. And so that was really very beneficial to do that workshop for the workshop for the parents. And that's a double dip because the law firm also donates to Camp Nugget. So great <laughs> partnership there. <laughs> and then, um, oh, I forgot what I was gonna say, Never mind. I also think um, as a university professor who has, you know, been in higher ed, it really keeps you grounded. You have these these children with disabilities that you you have to put out these fires. You have to be working. You have to like for me personally, I got to constantly try new behavior management approaches uh, with the after school program, with the summer program. And I, I think it's really important that you, you're not only just talking about and lecturing, but also um, interacting with, with um, students within the, with disabilities. It's, right, um, sometimes we get the, we're in our ivory tower. You don't know, but in Camp Nugget, we are in the trenches. Like we are knee deep in it too with our students. Like we're hustling and putting out behaviors and doing it all. Yeah, oh, Lauren, sorry, you had a point? That's, no, that's a good point. So we did, we actually did a qualitative study on the, the benefit of camp abilities or the, the effect of camp abilities on higher education faculty. And one of the things they said is it gives them more legitimacy with their students. But one of the people said that they had worked at that university for like 18 years. The president never knew who they were until they started a camp abilities. And then the president knew who they were. And so I do think it gives you that unique recognition that's different than anybody else and, uh, and we're fortunate because you know, some people, they want to come volunteer, they want their teenagers or college children, you know, we get faculty's children that come and volunteer. So you're actually providing more than just it to the community. It, it just enriches everyone's lives. And then I have never had a child, I've never had a high school kid 
apply for a National Honor Society and not get it because Camp Abilities gives them that kind of community service that National Honor Society is looking for. But there's so many, I could just name so many other benefits to having those high school kids and college kids, especially of your colleagues and friends. It's just really very rich. It makes your life a lot richer as well. Oh, plus just to say, we have a lot of really fun equipment, right, Matt? We've got our seven person bike, we've shaped two person bike. We've got all kayaks and Santa paddle boards right on the canal. So we can use those all year long. We can have programs all year long as well. So that's another benefit of, of having a program that where you have a lot of cool equipment. Just to say, right, just, I really like that seven person bike. <laughs> oh, by the way, he, by the way, the guy who invented it really wants it to be, they want, he wants people with this, with camps, with kids with disabilities to buy it because he doesn't want it to be known as like the drunk bike. So I have his number. He came to our camp this past year and he is willing to sell it to you at cost. He just gave Texas, Texas camp abilities. You know, some of you know, Texas camp abilities. He, he gave them one at cost. I think he just gave it to him for $10,000, which is cheap for that bike. <laughs> right. Any final questions before we wrap up? All right. Big thank you, Camp Abilities, Camp Nugget, Camp Weber, and especially these students who and staff, staff counselors who worked at those camps and came to share their experiences. So much appreciated to you all. The NICPEA to APE Collaborative will be back in September. So be on the lookout for the next dates and time. So thanks all for thank joining you, us. Thank Amanda. Thanks everybody for being here. See you soon. <gasps>